This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. Over the last few weeks, I have been talking with my guests all about emotional health. It's a pretty relevant topic as most of us are stuck in some sort of recombobulation of what our lives look like with this COVID-19 pandemic. So I hope you will join me along with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear how they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. Andy Colbert is a licensed professional counselor, writer, and speaker in Castle Rock, Colorado. She specializes in trauma and body-centered therapies and is passionate about the integration of faith and psychology. Her new book is called Try Softer, a fresh approach to move us out of anxiety, stress, and survival mode and into a life of connection and joy. I hope you enjoyed this informative and really helpful conversation with Andy. Hello, friends. It's really fun to welcome my friend, Andi Kolber, to the podcast today. She is the author of the recently released book, Try Softer. So thanks for being here, Andi. Yes, it's really good to be with you. Thank you. So tell us about the whole message of Try Softer. Why, what, what does that come from? Maybe tell us what's the try harder and why should we try softer? Yeah. Yep. So, um, so I'm a therapist and, you know, part of my story, I've been a therapist for over a decade, but what I found as I got into the field is that I had a lot of my own unaddressed trauma that nobody had ever really given me language for. Mm. I grew up in a really pretty significantly dysfunctional family. And I knew that I was aware of the addiction. I was aware of some of the mental health things. Those obviously like I saw that. But no one had ever given me a framework to understand what that really meant for me. Yeah. And so Try Softer for me is really, um, it began as sort of what I wish that I would have had mm. over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. That's where I, that's really where I began. And, mm-hmm. but what it has turned into is sort of my own work around partially like helping to create more language. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially for Christians mm-hmm. in understanding what can happen when our body experiences overwhelming situations mm-hmm. and overwhelming emotions and um, things that don't get repaired. Yeah. That can create various types of trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so, uh, you know, Try softer is sort of the response because trauma often, and this is a really actually beautiful part of the way God created our bodies, is that God, that we adapt mm-hmm. to trauma mm-hmm. as a way to survive. Yeah. 
And so that try harder part that you're speaking of is, is really what the adapt, uh, the adaption is. Mm -hmm. We learn to armor up, Mm-hmm. to over-function, over-perform, over-please, over-accommodate. And, and often that's really rooted in a trauma response. Mm-hmm. So Try Softer is all about this. What I, I use it um, simultaneously with the phrase compassionate attention. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's really, you know, what God gives to us and what we're made for. Mm-hmm. And that we are really invited to give that to ourselves and, and not just like in a really specific way, also to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that look like? You do, you do a really great job of helping us, your reader, like through various practices. But um, maybe what's a starting point, you know, when we realize, oh, gosh, I'm, you know, flying off the handle at my husband or I'm, you know, venting my anger on my children or, you know, I'm withdrawing. I can't get out of bed. And we can feel the wheels coming off. What is kind of... Yeah. So the first thing I'll say, maybe just to give us an idea of the pace and the process of some of this work, is yeah. that I say to folks, um, the more complicated the trauma, the mm-hmm. more complex the healing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because so often the early work, uh, you know, when I, when I'm meeting with clients or I'm, the most common question I get is, so how long will this take? <laughs> yeah. When can I be fixed? Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, I so get that yeah. because it's so real. And, and I think it's because pain is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> pain is hard. And we're like, how long till yeah. we're done, you know? Yeah. So I just say that to just understand the pacing of, of this, but I do think there are some tangible places to start. Yeah. Um, one of them is just understanding something called our window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, it's just that all of us have a range mm-hmm. of arousal in which we can feel our feelings or emotions mm-hmm. before we go into either fight or flight, mm-hmm. or we potentially go down into like sort of a depression or, or a, a dissociation. Mm-hmm. So in all of those um, examples that you gave me, like I'm flying off the handle or like, Mm -hmm. or I'm just maybe really low and I'm really heavy, oftentimes those are actually, that's the symptom of going outside of or getting close to being outside of Mm -hmm. your window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. So part of this work is actually getting curious and allowing yourself just to like, begin to pay attention to your patterns Mm -hmm. and your bodies, like your body. Like when, when your kiddo says something to you at 4 PM and you've had a long day and you're like clenching your fist and your jaws tight. And then you realize I haven't eaten all day, Mm -hmm. have taken no breaks. Mm -hmm. I give myself no permission to mess up. And then I want to snap like a rubber band. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe this is setting me up right. to, to have a smaller window of tolerance, but I'm like, and I'm also really not giving myself any compassion. Yeah. And so there's two things there, that curiosity, but then also like noticing the body, like yeah. asking myself questions like if my child were in the situation that I'm in right now, yeah, how would I want to take care of them? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if this is someone who's listening with a child, you could replace that with a friend or a co, you know, whatever yeah. that looks like. So those are just a few ideas mm-hmm. of where to mm-hmm. start. I think that's helpful because sometimes we're just so reactive. We don't even know we're reactive. Tell us 
how this idea of trisofter kind of fits with faith. How does the idea of trisofter, how is that a uniquely Christian way to respond to stressors and trauma? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the first thing that I would say is part of the way that I look at doing integrative work with psychology and faith is that I really, I believe that God is the author of healing. Yeah. And, and that's true whether even we, I mean, God deserves that honor. Right. And yet we don't always know or see. Like I work with a lot of clients who are not necessarily Christian. Right. And I think there's a sense of a common grace yeah. that's available to us in the wisdom of our bodies that, that is given to us by God. Yeah. I think there, so with Trisofter, I think part of this in, intersection is that our bodies, like c- compassion softens mm-hmm. um, and allows us to come back into mm-hmm. our window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. So when we're outside of that window of tolerance, um, there's a lot of, there are really, we could talk about that for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> why that's significant. But mm. some of the big points of that are that, first of all, healing doesn't happen when we're outside of our window of tolerance. Yeah. Um, because our body is fully in our, we're totally in our lower brains. Yeah. And so what that means is we actually can't metabolize the experience that we're having. And that's actually what, why something becomes trauma. Yeah. It never has the opportunity to get integrated into our story and into mm-hmm. our full psyche. Mm-hmm. And so the beauty, I think, of Trisofter is that it's this invitation mm-hmm. to, to allow our bodies to soften into this, this grace of wholeness. Mm-hmm. And, and I think specifically for Christians, what is so beautiful is the resource of the safety in God. Yeah. That God is a, you know, when we think about in the best sense of the word, a shelter. Yeah. Um, in the best sense of the word, a healthy parent. Mm-hmm. And in order to heal, we actually really need safety. Yeah. And so it's sort of this sense of a softening back into ourselves yeah. in the shelter of safety. Yeah. Here's my my kind of conundrum, right, is how do we, on the one hand, you know, see God as our fortress, our safety, our shelter, you know, our, our safe parent without condoning kind of this language of, well, all of me is okay, like, whatever I feel is okay, like, how do we not excuse sin that we're a part of too, not just that's been done to us? You know, how do we hold that intention? And I mean, I would maybe push up against it a little bit because yeah. feelings are feelings. Right. Feelings aren't actions. Right. And so m- the way that I approach that is it's not until we're able to bring something up into our awareness mm-hmm. that we have any ability to change it. Yeah. And so the way that I think that this integrates is that, you know, compassion isn't an excuse. Right. Compassion is a, is a softened posture. Mm-hmm. And this is the paradox, is that turning towards something with compassion allows us to ask, Does, is this in alignment with who I am? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what we mean when we're talking about sin in the sense of there are things that we do um, 
for lots of different reasons that that can not be in alignment with who we really are. Yeah. And, and who God made us to be and who God calls us to be. And so it's not until we're able to bring that up and say, in the light of God's safety and shelter, God, is this what you like, is this what, where I should be going? Is this what I should be doing? Right. That's when we have choices. Mm -hmm. And I think we are definitely, we can't do that all on our own. Like we're not created to be able to do everything on our own. But this is the other side to that coin. Yeah. When we suppress what we're experiencing and feeling, we will do it anyway. We will just not have any understanding. <laughs> right. right. So yeah. that's, that's the thing that sometimes grieves me so much, I think, sometimes in, in faith communities. Yeah. Is that because we fear, yeah. I think we've been taught to fear our bodies. Yeah. I think there's some really unhelpful theology that causes us to live um, as though we're separate than our bodies. Yeah, yeah. And this causes us actually to push that down and to just be like, no, no, no. Like, that's not who I am. I would never do that. I would never think that. I'm not even feeling that. Right, right. Versus I'm going to bring that up into an awareness that says, huh, I am extremely angry at that person. (laughs) Yeah. And I wonder what that's about. Right. Because if we can be curious, we can say, oh, you know what? That person harmed me. Mm-hmm. And maybe now I need to be able to say, hey, to this person, that wasn't okay. Yeah. And this is the boundary I'm going to set. Because we need all of our emotions. All, yeah. No emotion. Emotion is, is simply information that our body gives us. But when we don't listen to that informa- information is when they tend to come out sideways, right. is what I like to For say. Sure. Yeah. And so this work is really complex, but it's also really simple. <laughs> in the sense that it goes back to Jesus's commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's, it's profound in the sense that if we're thinking that we're indulging in something, it's probably because we're trying to meet the need. Right. Not adequately. Right. Right. So we got to go deeper. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, Augustine, right. Talking about, you know, that, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. So, you know, ultimately all of our, we have misdirected loves. And so to be able, like, that sounds like a lot of what you're help, helping people do practically and in their bodies is to pay attention, you know, to those, to those loves and how they are mm-hmm. ultimately met in Jesus and give us some pathways out mm-hmm. of just getting stuck, you know, in ourselves. I love one bit in your book, you talk about, you know, only love moves us to true growth and we can't shame our way to change. Um, In what ways do you think, could you walk us through that a little bit and, and how, what that looks like um, to try to shame your way to change and how does love help us move towards lasting change, either in our lives and our communities, um, hurting our hurting world right now? Mm, Yeah, man. Just as you say that, yes, there's so much pain. Um, The thing about shame, and and one of the ways that I conceptualize it is as a form of what I would call little t trauma. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes what I'm saying is that it's pushing us out of our window of tolerance. Yeah. And, And that's significant because, again, once we're out of that window, 
we don't have real, like we really don't have great choices. We're just surviving. (laughs) So let's say you grew up in a, in a shame-based family. Maybe you were parented in a way that was very shame motivated Um, to be loved. You had to fit into this, this shame narrative of this is the only way we want you to be kind of a thing. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever that looks like when that, whatever that brings up for you. And most people have a visceral reaction. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I think with that, a lot of us, and this is a part of my story too, is that we want to be different. We see that we are maybe not where we want or should be, or even where, what God ultimately has for us, or we want to be better for our family. We want to be better parents. We want everything better. Right. And that isn't, that's not bad to want to grow. I think that the desire of growth, you know, I think that's a groaning that God yeah, puts in us yeah. to grow. Yeah. But, but the, the shame piece is, you know, in a very practical way, once we're out of that window of tolerance, we're not growing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if our actions look good. Yeah. Because the actions yeah. don't change the internal workings of who we are. Mm-hmm. So on the, so a lot of folks, it can be like, you know, they got their ducks in a row. They say the right things. They're in the right places, but because there's such a, a shame internal working, yeah. um, their experience of that is completely mismatched. Yeah from the internal experience they're having. Mm -hmm. And so when I say that only love, sometimes I don't know if I did this in the book or not, but sometimes I'll capitalize that L. Yeah. Like thinking of it like first, like I do believe like divine love. Right. And I, and I believe that we then get to be stewards of love. Right. So it's, it's like a both and of like, it is God's love and it's the way we are with each other. Yeah. And then it's also the way we are with ourselves. Yeah. And so for a lot of us, part of my own work and the work I do with a lot of clients is working with younger parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. that carry that shame, Mm -hmm. that may need to hear, they need to hear a new message. They need to hear, I call that, and it's not my term, but it's um, reparenting. We're coming alongside that young part of ourselves and helping them understand that they are loved. Um, no matter how much they failed, they can come back. Yeah. And, and, I, and I won't, you know, for me, when I talk to my younger self, it's like, I'm not going to leave you. Yeah. Just like Jesus doesn't leave me, I'm not leaving that younger part of myself because she is worthy of being loved. We will be right back in just a minute with the rest of our conversation with Andi. And just a quick reminder, if you are looking for a therapist, I am delighted to partner with Faithful Counseling. They are a group of licensed Christian counselors. You can hop on over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy. That's getfaithful.com slash findingholy for a discount for Finding Holy listeners on your very first session. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group 
teach the Bible or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And here's the rest of my conversation with Andi. When we have this, the support and the resources to know, no matter what, I'm not going anywhere. I love yeah. you. Yeah. Even when you mess up, even when you sin, even when you say the wrong thing, like, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to stay with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay in our window of tolerance. <laughs> We're going to stay in our, with our body. Mm-hmm. And that's what it looks like. That's the difference, yeah. right? Yeah. Between shame says, okay, now I have to check out. Now I need to go numb myself. Now I need to go drink. I need to go shop. I, yeah. need, to, I need to just, I need everybody to tell me how great I am yeah. immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Versus, no, what's the truest thing here? Like, and that's why I think even sometimes, you know, in the book, I'll talk about this belovedness Mm -hmm. that I think there's just this core aspect of how God sees us that we get to keep with us. It doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. It's not performance based. It is, it is identity. And we get to, we get to cling to that Mm -hmm. in the hardest, darkest parts of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how are you right now as a person? practicing try softer during yeah the a pandemic and racial violence <laughs> hmm. yeah well i'll just say we just have so much you know going on um with the you know with the death of george floyd and so much angst yeah and so much pain and i am for sure a deep feeler um and so for me i definitely you know I have felt sometimes either at the edge or going outside of my window of tolerance, uh, being on social media. Yeah. And then my kids are like, mom, I need you immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, like, I mean, it's like a visceral, like, oh my gosh, this is too much, yeah. you know, in that moment. And so what that has looked like for me at times, um, this is a Friday and I will be logging off of all social media for the weekend. Yeah. Um, I need that to let my nervous system settle. Yeah. I've been doing this for, um, the last couple months mm-hmm. as I've gone through the book launch and the pandemic and yeah, yeah. Um, it's like my, what I, yeah. because, because our nervous systems, the more activated they get and for the longer mm-hmm. the time, yeah. our window of tolerance gets smaller. Yeah. And so it, it's great to find some resets. And one of those for me is definitely just being off social media for longer chunks of time. Yeah. Um, even like an hour. I mean, if you can do that, then that's great. You know, yeah. start there. But I find that I usually need like, like at least two days. Yeah. Right. To, to get the benefits. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really important practice for me right now. Mm-hmm. 
typically on Mondays, I come back and I'm excited Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what are we going to talk about? You know, like, what are we going to do? Like, um, so that's for me, like a form of resilience of, Mm -hmm. because life is so intense. And I think if it was just like fire hose all the time, yeah, it's like (laughs) you burn out like that, you know? Yeah. Um, the other things for me that are really important is getting outside. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredibly grounding to our bodies to be yeah. outside. I know you love being outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, like everything outside. I ever write about, it's like, I'm going on a walk. I'm going on a walk. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. It's so great for our nervous systems because sensory wise, um, there's a, there's a term it's called grounding. Mm-hmm. Grounding is a, just a term that helps us understand how our, like our senses bring us to the immediate moment. And so getting outside for nature in nature has been key for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll take like two or three short walks a day yeah. just to like um, continually bring my body just to move energy through my body. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't mean that like in a necessarily like a mystical way. I mean, right. in a very visceral. Physical <laughs> right. Way. Right. Yeah. And so, and then the other thing that I do is this is going to sound so funny, but I do like a self-compassion um, meditation in the shower because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have that much alone time. Right. Yeah. Um, and that just is a way really what that is like is just sort of a, it's almost like a form of reparenting. I think Yeah. it's that again, that ability of, of being gentle and kind. And, and I really often view that through like, how does God see me? Yeah. How is God talking to me? Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I would just add as we talk about like the racial violence pieces, yeah. I think that the Trisofter work helps me to turn with compassion towards the pain of people of color, of black folks who this is not my experience. But right. I think because as we work to have a softened posture, mm-hmm. we are, I think we can be more open. Yeah. And we can be receptive right? Um, rather than just defensive. Right. And I've just found that to be really important because, mm-hmm. you know, I think when any of us are tired or worn out or in pain, that defensive piece comes up so quick. Right. And, but when we can get what to what's underneath mm-hmm. and really access compassion, I think that has been really vital. Mm-hmm. There's no healing without it. Absolutely. Right. We'll just be reacting in our anger and woundedness. And Well, thank you, Andy. It's been so great. And I want to ask you your laundry routine because I love asking all of my guests about their laundry routine, not just because it's fun to know what everyone does, but because, you know, I think like you, we're trying to connect the dots between all these things. Like we say, we believe about God and how, you know, our bodies work. And so I love to ask all my guests about their laundry routine to connect those dots for us. I love so, it. Yeah. Tell us your laundry routine. Oh, I love it. Well, so our laundry routine has been really kind of upside down the last little while, partly because our dryer broke. Oh, that's not fun. Gosh, a couple weeks ago. And so what that has meant lately (laughs) is it didn't have any heat. And so what we were doing is taking like clothes that were like mostly wet and like laying them all over our playroom (laughs) and try to dry them. Partly because with the pandemic, we're like, well, we don't, we don't want to have someone 
come in right and you know and fix this and and we actually did end up just just finally we, we actually did get it fixed but um it's actually i think it's been about a month it was a long month yeah like that but um i think in terms of before that you know i would say sometimes i go i go in fits and spurts i'm like let's do this let's get all the clothes clean and i'm washing <laughs> yeah. and i'm cleaning and i'm trying to fold and then i'll go like a week and a half and i'm like man we haven't washed any clothes yeah and my kids you know, they're just like, I need another outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so sometimes it piles up pretty good. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like, you know, kind of really getting it done. Yep. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, what is, so what did your month of, uh, laying the clothes out teach you about yourself? Um, I think it was mostly that, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard this when, t when, um, people talk about fours, but fours can be like repressed doing. Yeah. Have you ever heard that language? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's either like all the cylinders are, are firing or you're like, and I'm, I'm not cooking forever. Yeah. Or doing yeah. laundry. Yeah. So I would say like it felt like what was already not a favorite yeah. thing for me <laughs> yeah. was like, oh my gosh, we have to like, it takes forever for right. like a shirt to dry. And yes. I mean, I will say this, I feel extremely grateful right now for right. working. Yeah. yeah. That taught me that. You know, yeah. Just I'm that thankful for my dryer. Yeah. Of, a, of having, you know, electricity and a dryer yes. and yeah. those things that we need. But I think it's like, it shows me for me, like I definitely have, it's easy sometimes for me to be like, that feels really big. Yeah. I know. And, I've, and I've, I've found the pandemic. I have like grown in resiliency or at least it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's tapped into something that was there that I just took the easy way out. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're I guess we're gonna do this. And so I'm gonna pay my medical bills right now and not put them off or I'm going yeah. to do the laundry and it's actually not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, just like that. <laughs> I love that. Like that, yeah. you are, like that we're cap we are capable yeah. of hard things. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't feel super available to us to access that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is a, there is a sense, I will say this, like we definitely have like, at times we'll eat out way too much or things like that. And this yeah. pandemic, like we were like, we didn't even know we were capable yeah. of right. eating at home. Yeah. Every single day for 90 days making <laughs> like five meals a day. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know if we right. could do that. And, right. and we totally did. Yeah. And it's not like, it's like we hold that in, in, in nuance and context. Yeah. Because in other parts of the world, that is not as big of a deal. Yeah, right. But it's like, it's, a, it's stepping stones. It is. To be like, you know what? We are capable. We yeah. can do hard things. Yeah. Thanks, Andy, for being with you us. Bet. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andy Kolber and feel like you have some tools in your tool belt to help flex some resilient muscles. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to a few episodes. Episode 51, I talk with KJ Ramsey about holding suffering and hope together. And in episode 52, I speak with Stephanie Lobdell about what does it look like for our ordinary losses to be transformed, as well as listen to episode 18 with Kara Meredith about 
talking about race. So I hope that these are some great starting points. I wanted to leave you, as I do on every episode, with one small step to take with you into your week. As you're lying in bed at night, maybe you're going through your day in your head, and maybe you use this as kind of a way to pray and connect with God, to ask yourself the question, where was I outside my window of tolerance today? Maybe you snapped at a child, maybe you fell apart, maybe you couldn't get out of bed. We're all dealing with this pandemic differently, and our emotions can be all over the map. But rather than shaming yourself for getting out of that window of tolerance, maybe ascertain what are the things that can actually help bring you back into that window of tolerance, because that's where we really change and grow. And so for me, my list is kind of a daily walk time in scripture and prayer, taking the practice of noticing beauty, having some silence built into my day. Notice where you get out of that window of tolerance and make a list maybe of three things that can help ground you to get back in. I would love it, friends, too, if you could just do me a favor, click on over to that survey link. It'll take two minutes. It will be more productive than your scrolling on Instagram. So that would be amazing if you were able to answer just a few short questions about the Finding Holy podcast. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe, share this episode with a friend, pick up Andy's book. All of these things will help root us and ground us in love during a very chaotic internally and externally season. I am so glad you are here, friends. It's been such a pleasure to talk through emotional health. Stay tuned because pretty soon we're going to be talking about some of these hot button topics, things that our nation is wrestling with, and I can't wait for you to join me. So make sure you subscribe and you won't miss a thing because all of these big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.